Hey everyone, how's everyone doing? I just want to say just welcome to this podcast. It's the very first podcast that I've ever done. And the reason why I'm doing this is because we at our church, the Marketplace Movement, we are in the middle of a very interesting, a very informative teaching series called Decrees and Declarations. Right. The reason why we're in this teaching series is because we we kind of feel like decrees and declarations in the body of Christ as a whole is really been misused. I don't think that people really understand what decrees and declarations are. Example, I was in a church service one time and um, the very first thing that they said in this church service was, I decree and I declare. And they kept repeating this. I decree, I declare this, that, and the other, right? And a lot of times when we're in church, when we have altar call services, a lot of times when someone prays over you, um, I've done it myself. When, some, when people pray over you, they say, I decree and I declare uh, thus and so forth. Now, here's the thing. Let me let me do this first. Let me do this first. Let's look at the Webster's Dictionary because I don't believe that we really understand in the body of Christ what these words means. Amen. So let's look. Let's look in the dictionary. This is Webster's Dictionary definition of the word decree. All right. The word decree is defined as an order usually having the force of law. Uh, number two, a religious ordinance enacted by a council or a titular head by a foreordained will. Number three, a judicial decision of the Roman emperor. A judicial decision, especially in the equity or probate court. Now, so this word decree is used in court, right? And based on a definition, the Western Dictionary definition, the word decree, decree can only be given by a judge. Agree? If you've ever been to court, let's say, for instance, you've been to court for a divorce, because that's when I think of the word decree in my mind in a civil sense, in a natural sense, I think of divorce decrees. You've been you ever had a divorce. You know that the final document that the judge signs is a divorce decree. We know that it begins with a filing, whoever, whether whether it's the uh, the female spouse or the male spouse or the husband or the wife, in other words, files for divorce, right? And then if there's children involved, there's a series of petitions. But the last part of it, after all the litigation has been heard by the judge, the last part of it, the final say, is that divorce decree. It's the same thing in the spirit. You know, God has jurisdiction in heaven and earth, right? And all of the decrees of God is God's final say. If, if God decrees a thing, then that's it. That, that's the final say. There's no more talking about it. There's no more litigation about it. That, that's the final say. Now, switch gears. The word declaration. The word declaration in in the Webster's Dictionary, here's the word declaration. 
Declaration is the act of declaring an announcement in a court environment. It is a statement made by a party to a legal transaction, usually not under oath. Declaration. Number three, something that is declared. So in other words, to declare means to tell, it means to proclaim, it means to make known, it means to make an announcement. Now, notice this, whether it's spiritually or naturally, when you declare something, right, you can pretty much declare anything. You can say anything about anything. You can declare that you are a purple person, right? Doesn't make it true. What makes it true, what makes it stand is if your declaration is backed up by something solid, like a decree, like a decree of God. So in the spiritual sense, what we need to, what we need to understand is that it is our responsibility. If we want to walk in power and we want to walk in, in the power of God, in the, in the authority of God, if we want to reap the blessings of God, then we must de declare his declarations. Amen. Because it is not, it's not effective. Your declaration is not effective if it is not backed up by a decree. If you're not de de declaring a decree of God, it's like that in the natural. I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's like that in the natural, right? Think about a wedding. Let's go back to the marriage uh, scenario. When you, when you look at a wedding, right, you know that the minister stands up and he makes an announcement after they say their vows. He makes an announcement by the power invested in me. I now pronounce, or in other words, I now declare that these two are husband and wife. Why is he able to declare that? Because he received the power and authority from what? From a decree, from a law. A decree is a law. All right. So now I want to switch gears and um, I want to do this thing in, in kind of two parts, if, if you will. The scripture that we are going to look at in, in, in terms of decrees and declarations, we are going to look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And we are going to break this down and do it in two parts. All right. Let's read the scripture. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says this. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right. That is a statement made by the Apostle Paul. And he is talking to a bunch of believers. The first believers, the first body of Christ is what he is talking to. Now, when you look at this particular verse, what you see is that the, the decree of God in this verse is you will be saved, right? The declaration in this verse is whosoever will call on the name 
of the Lord. So we are going to break this apart. We're going to, this is uh part A is uh, um, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. That's the, that's the declaration of God. And or I, actually that is our declaration that we are responsible for that part. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. We are responsible for calling on the name of the Lord. That is our declaration. The decree of God is will be saved. So we are going to deal with the will be saved part, the decree of God. And then later on, we will deal with the other part. Amen. So let's begin. Let's talk about this particular scripture. Let's talk about the decree of God. Amen. This particular verse tells us that God has extended salvation to everyone. We know from reading the Bible, from reading the text in the Old Testament, we know that that uh, that the Jews were the first people. They were the first carrier in the, in the Torah with Moses and everything. But now God has extended salvation to everyone. God established this decree that you will be saved at the cross. When Christ died on the cross and said, it is finished, what happened is that God signed this decree into law. Because we know before, we know before that the wages of sin is death. We know that man sinned against God. We know that um, that God said that you shall surely die if you sin. If you eat of the fruit of this tree, you shall surely die. And those of those people who are in sin are going to meet the wrath of God. So to escape the wrath of God. God declared that you will be saved. And we know that there is, there is something that we're responsible for. And that we are responsible for calling on the name of the Lord, which we're going to deal with a little bit later. But here's the thing. Why is it that, why is it that Paul is addressing this in this particular verse in the first place? Why? Why is Paul even talking about salvation? He is speaking to a group of, of a body of believers here, right? And they're a mixed group. You have some Jews, you have some Gentiles, you may have some Greeks, you may have some other people from other parts of, of that area of, of Judea. Why is he talking about salvation? Why is this even a topic of discussion? We know we know what salvation is. We know salvation is being saved from the wrath of God. It means deliverance from the wrath of God. It means being saved from sin. So why is this even a topic of discussion here? All right. To answer that question, let's look at the first verse in, in Romans chapter 10. We're going to read that. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, this is Paul talking, brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Now, who is the them? The them in this text is the people of Israel. The them in this text are the Jews. And like I said, that 
Um, this is a group of different people, Jews, Gentiles, right? Uh, Greeks. Verse two, for I testify about them, the Jews, that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. Wow, that's a that's a bold statement. So he's he's telling these people that the Jews have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with accordance with knowledge. So what exactly is he talking about? What is Paul talking about here? Here's here's the thing in this scenario. What you have is you have a group of Jews who think that they are better than the other. The Jews feel like they are the chosen people of God, right? And you got all these other people. You got the, you got the Greeks and, and you have some Gentiles coming in to the body of Christ. And these Jews are saying, look, if you guys want to be saved, you got to follow the same rules that we follow. You, 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 you got to follow the law of Moses. Now, that may seem kind of strange you know, in today's time, this is 2018, may seem kind of strange. But guess what? We do the same thing in, in our churches. We have people that think they are better than the other. I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. For me, now, anyone who knows me knows that I don't eat pork and... I don't have any tattoos on my body. Everybody knows that about me. That's one of the first things you figure out about me personally, right? I have my personal reasons for not doing so. You know, it's been a journey. It's been hard. You know, my, my father uh, was a Muslim at one time, and it kind of came from that. And, and, you know, and it um, changed. And the reason why I don't eat pork changed from... A religious standpoint to a standpoint of um, I want to be healthy. So that's one thing. But if I was a pastor of a church, if I had a huge platform, and if I was teaching people that if you want to be saved, then you got to stop eating pork. If I was a person who's open up the book of Leviticus chapter 11 and point and say, look, the Bible says that don't eat pork, this is not good for you. And then turn to other places in the book of Leviticus, right, and say that um, that if you have tattoos on your body, then you are wrong. No, that is not what Paul is telling them. Look, whosoever will call on the name of, of the Lord will be saved, not whosoever doesn't eat pork or whosoever doesn't know. This is what Paul is telling them, that they have, they have a zeal for God, but they don't understand what constitutes salvation. They don't understand what constitutes salvation, right? And in my example, if I was doing that, then guess what? I will be seeking my own righteousness. I'll be poking around my chest and I'm better than you 
because I don't eat pork. I'm better than you because I don't have tattoos. And it and it could be it could be something not something that dramatic. It could be something simple as during praise and worship, you might think that that a person has to be loud and they have to be in, in worship and they have to be screaming at the top of their lungs and whatnot and running around the church and, and shouting. You may you may associate that would be saved, and if you see someone not doing that, you may say so. It it I mean, it could turn into that. This is, we have to be we have to be careful, amen. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? So in the next episode, what we are going to do, what I'm going to talk about is I am going to talk about the declaration of. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord. Amen. So stay tuned. All right. Bye. Okay. So welcome to part two of this, of the episode about Romans chapter 10, verse 13. We have been looking at this verse through the lens of decrees and declarations. And just do do a little bit of recap. Um, when you look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13, we see that it says that um, for whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in part one, we talked about the decree of God, that the will be saved part of it is a decree of God. that God has um, extended salvation to all men because God wanted to reconcile man back to him so he's extended this salvation to men to all men but our responsibility for receiving this uh salvation from god is whosoever will call on the name of the lord so our declaration our response our declaration to the decree of god that uh that we will be saved is we must call on the name of the Lord. Now, what exactly does that mean? Because I believe that in the past, I've heard plenty of sermons about calling on the name of the Lord. I've heard several different songs about calling on the name of the Lord. I believe that from the pulpit, this, this text has been under exegeted. I don't think it's been explained a lot uh, or very well. Um, I, you know, some of the songs that I can think of, Todd Delaney, uh, Your Great Name. We, we love to call the name. It's something we cannot explain that happens when we proclaim your great name. Then it go, goes on to say that, that there's something about the name Jesus. There's power in the name Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. We do just about everything in, you know, in the body of Christ in the name of Jesus. You pray in the name of Jesus. So what does this text mean? What is this text really saying? For whosoever, we know this is a declaration, for whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is the text declaring that all I have to do is audibly call the name of Jesus and I'm saved? If if that's it, 
then there's a lot of people that are saved. There's a lot of people I can think of a lot of folks. And if I was a person who just lived any ill kind of way, if I lived a lifestyle of sin, and then all I got to do is call on it, just audibly call his name and I'm saved. Is that what this text is really saying? Here's the thing. Here's, here's a couple of ways you know, that I always choose to do. There's a couple of ways to really get a good, clear, and solid understanding of what this means. There's a couple of ways. First thing we're going to do is we are going to look at the surrounding text just to get a clear understanding. You know, we're in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Let's look at the very next verse. Let's look at Verse 14, here's what it says. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him with whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good, good news of good things. 16, however, they did not all heed the good news for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Okay, so there's a lot in that, in those uh, verses following our verse, our key verse of, of Romans chapter 10, verse 13. There's a lot of stuff in there. Basically what that is, is saying is, is giving us the importance of the gospel, the importance of spreading the gospel. That's basically the, the crux of what Paul is saying here. That is important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That is absolutely important, spreading the gospel. But what I want you to see here in verse 14 is this. That calling on the name of the Lord is accompanied with believing. So you have to believe God, you have to believe Jesus. You have to believe in God's testimony about Jesus in order to call on him. Right? So let's go further. You know, that is the prerequisite of calling on the name. You won't call on nobody's name if you don't believe him. That's just a prerequisite. We go a step further. Just take it a little bit further. Go a little bit deeper. All right, let's look at 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 22 says, Now flee from youth, youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Now, this is very interesting because it has all of these different attributes of people who call on the name of the Lord. It has all these different characteristics of people who call on the name of the Lord. It says righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Amen. But there's this last part that says, call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. So you have to really believe that thing. There's one thing to make a proclamation, right? Anybody can make a proclamation. Giving great example. I can wear a New York Giants hat, right? The assumption is that I follow 
the New York Giants. What you would not find, what you would not expect is for a Dallas Cowboy fan to be wearing a New York Giants hat. You won't expect that. Right? That's not true. Okay? That, that's, not, that's not a declaration from a pure heart. <clears throat> Amen? So, calling on the name of the Lord, first of all, accompanies believing. That's a prerequisite. Right? And another thing that comes with it is calling on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. So we got two things that we're working with, you know, just looking at surrounding texts, looking at other things that the Apostle Paul is talking about in the New Testament, is that calling on the name of the Lord associated with believing and being truthful. Amen? Let's go a little bit further because we really haven't, dug in deeper to, to figure out what Paul is really talking about. What is, what is he referring to? Amen. So we got to look at other places. You know, the best place to look at is a cross-referencing tool. And when you cross-reference Romans chapter 10, verse 13, what you will find out is that Paul is exactly quoting the prophet Joel. In this text, he is quoting the prophet Joel, Joel chapter two, verse 32, right? Let's go there. Let's go to the book of Joel. This is Joel chapter two, verse 32. It says, and it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be those who escape. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord called. All right, let's stop right there. The prophet Joel, the prophecy that he is giving, giving the people of Israel is that on the last day, on the Lord's day, right? The wrath of God is going to come to men. The wrath of God is going to come to earth, right? But guess what? God giving you an escape. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered, right? And just a side note to that, uh, Peter is actually calling the same prophet, in, you know, in a different context, but he's calling the same prophet. Remember, if you go over to Acts chapter 2, we know that on the day of Pentecost, right, when the believers were in the upper room, the Holy Spirit fell on the believers, right? And when they exited the upper room, when they came out, the other people who were there, right, thought they were drunk. And Peter stood up and he preaches a sermon. He says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, but what you are witnessing here is what the prophet Joel has prophesied about, that the Lord our God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Right? So Peter, and at the end of his sermon, Peter, they asked him, what, what can we do about this? You know, we know we messed up. We crucified the Savior. What can we do about this? How can we be saved? Right? And Peter answered them and said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So we know that, that Peter is, is, is telling us that calling on the name of the Lord uh, 
is associated with believing as well. But let's let's go a little little bit deeper. Let's go just a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. When you look at commentary on this particular uh, scripture in Joel, what you will find is this. Let me just read it. Let me just read it to you, commentary. It says, exclusive commitment to Yahweh. God of Israel is what's meant, right? This is describing what, what, um, what is meant by call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord means it's exclusive commitment to Yahweh. God of Israel is what's meant in public and personal worship. His name and his name alone is the one on which they are to call. All right, let's stop right there. Now, we know that the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, is we know he's Jewish, right? We know that before he was Paul, he was Saul. So he knew inside and out the Old Testament. I would say this, this is what he meant. When he say, when he's saying, call on the name of the Lord, this is what, this is what he means. This is what, this is what is meant. Exclusive commitment. All right. So when you look at the, when you look at the text, when you define some of the words and you go back to the Hebrew, call on the name of the Lord, this is what you're going to find. This is what you will find. Call on the name of the Lord means it means to put a name on it. To call on the name of the Lord means to put a surname on it or allow oneself to be surnamed. So basically, when you call on the name of the Lord, what you are doing is you are proclaiming that you belong to the Lord. You are claiming that you are exclusive to the Lord. You are claiming all of the attributes of the Lord that belong to the Lord also belong to you. This is not asking God for anything. Here, when you call the name of the Lord, you are not asking God for nothing. What you are doing is you are recognizing and you are believing God for what he's already done. This means commitment. Calling on the name of the Lord means commitment. This is about identity with Christ. This is absolutely about identity with Christ. So when you call on the name of the Lord, everything that that name stands for, everything that the, that the name implies that is what you're calling on, right? You are accepting his character, right? Just like in a marriage commitment, right? You know that when uh, when the woman gets married to her husband, right? We've been using the marriage analogy uh, up until this point. We're going to continue with that. Just like when a woman marries a man, her husband, she takes on the name of the man. Now she is, she's supposedly identifies with the man and she's exclusive with him and, and everything that this man is about 
you know, good or bad, you take, she takes on that. This is the same level of commitment. When you call on the name of the Lord, it's the same level of commitment, right? It's, it's similar to this. It's similar to this. We know, we know that God is rich. We know, let's say, let's say uh, you go to the bank, right? We know that your God, your father is rich in everything, right? And if you go to the bank, right, we know that he has endless amounts and endless supply of resources. If you go to the bank and you make a withdrawal, right, in your own name, you're probably not going to get much. But if you, if you represent, if you go in the name of the Lord, you're going to get a lot back. It's going to be, it's going to be bountiful. So here's, this is what we're saying. It's, it's about identity. Calling on the name of the Lord is about identity. So now, before, before, I, um, before I actually dug deep into this, before I actually studied this, I did I did at one time think that um that 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 this is what this text was saying, you know. There's a difference. I didn't really understand it at first, but there's a difference between calling on the name of the Lord and calling on the Lord. When you're calling on the Lord, that's when you're asking God for help. That's when you're asking God to come please help me, come do this for me. When you call on the name that's completely different. That is absolutely different. Now, this thing, it, it changes the whole meaning of everything. Now, when I hear songs uh, from Todd Delaney, when I hear that song from Todd Delaney, Your Great Name, and I think about the lyrics, right? We love to call the name. It's something that we cannot explain. We can explain it now. Now that we've dug deep, into the scripture. We can explain it. We cannot explain his lyrics. That happens when we proclaim your great name, your great name, King Jesus. We call your name. Now, it, it makes a lot, a lot more sense. It makes a lot more sense. Right? Things change when we call. Things change when we say, God, I belong to you. My name is no longer valid. It's your name. I am placing your name and I'm placing it over my name or I'm moving my name out the way. And I, I become your, your son. I am your child, right? Now, things change. When I call on your name. Now, there's power in the name of Jesus. Now, there is healing in the name of Jesus. When I identify myself with you. When I surrender my all to you. Now, there's healing. Now, there's, there's, there's deliverance. Now, there is power in the name of Jesus. This is... This is very significant. This is something that we can't, that, 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 we, that we have to understand. Victory 
in the name of Jesus only comes when we call. Now it makes perfect sense. You are not asking God to do anything. What your responsibility is this, in this declaration that we are referring to, your responsibility is call, is, 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 is this, when I identify my walk, my talk, my everything, when I identify, when I place his name on me, removing my name, placing his name, his character, everything that he stands for, everything that he is about, right? When I place it in, in the place of my name, amen, if you will, now I'm delivered and now I'm saved. Amen? Isn't God wonderful? Isn't he great? He's given us a way out. He's given us a way to escape his wrath. He is so good. He is so wonderful. He is marvelous and he is excellent. Isn't he? What a mighty God we serve. What, what a good God we serve. Amen? So that's about all that I, that I have today. And hopefully you will um, continue to listen to my podcast. Let's go ahead and pray out. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We give you praise for who you are. We thank you, God, for what you've done. Lord, you sent your son Jesus into the earth, God, so we, so we can have access to you. So we can escape your wrath. So we can be delivered, oh God. So we thank you for that today, God. We don't take that lightly, but we give you praise for that. You are a good God. You are a mighty God. You are a sovereign God. You are God that cares for, for your people. So we thank you today. We honor you. We worship you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.